Support for this episode comes from Lalaman Brewing. Lalaman Brewing, a division of Lalaman Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria, is helping breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services and education. Lalaman Brewing's premium brewing yeast and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation, Lalaman Brewing recently launched several dried yeast products, Lalbrew Voss, Lalbrew Verdant IPA and Wildbrew Philly Sour. For more information about Lalaman products in the UK, please contact our local representative Andrew Patson. Global contact details for the UK and other territories can be found via our website, lalamanbrewing.com. That's lalamanbrewing.com. I'm Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hop Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a weekly podcast dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions, and stories from the whole brewing supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a beer, and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. Hello, brewers and beer comrades, and welcome to another sesh on the Hop Four podcast. I first became aware of Vocation Brewery on a warm summer's drive to Stamford in 2015. As we passed the Green Man pub on the edge of town, I saw an A-board sporting a design that reminded me of the Eye of Ra. I took particular notice of it because in my post-college days, I had been in a band with a similar looking logo. This was my first interaction with Vocation Brewery, though it would take me several years before I actually tried any of their delicious beers. John Hickling, who works in IT for a bank, set up Vocation in 2015, rebuilding an old chicken shed into a brew house which now outputs 50 hectolitres per annum, making it one of the largest independent craft breweries in the UK. Not only does the outdoor walkway across the top of their fermenters offer stunning views of the cascading hills of West Yorkshire's Crag Vale, the vantage point sees off beers like Love and Hay and Pride and Joy across the UK and waves Bon Voyage to their flagship brands as they head overseas. In addition to a canning and bottling line, the brewery have recently expanded their exports to the Far East through an unlikely partnership. Tired of the corporate world with a similar story to John, Ian Jebbit, a trademarks listed by Vocation, see what I did there, founded Guaylo Beer in Hong Kong with his wife Emily and friend Joseph Gold to create fun, fresh, natural, unpasteurised beers for the people of Hong Kong and Asia to enjoy. Backed by a team of hard-working, fun-loving professionals, Guaylo has already found its way into many corners of the world in tap houses, hotels, airlines and supermarket shelves and is expanding its brand with a brew-in-market model. Partnering here in the UK and areas of Scandinavia with Vocation to produce their core range, as well as working with other independent craft brewers for one-off collaborations, Guaylo Beer UK was established with the commercial directorship of Sean Robertson, a long-time veteran of the brewing industry. In this episode, East meets West, as myself, Sean and Vocation sales director John Haddingham discuss the partnership between the two brewers across the globe. Our roundtable discussion covers everything from brewing market models, exporting brands to other territories, the growth of the breweries and how relationships are forged and managed to allow each brand to remain distinctive despite being brewed in one location, each with their unique selling points. 
Please note at points, the audio quality drops in and out a little. I've done everything I can in order to clean it up as much as possible, but I think you'll agree that this is a fantastic discussion. So get yourself a beer, preferably from guelobeer.co.uk or vocationbrewery.com and dig in to this fantastic episode between myself, John Haddington from Vocation Brewery and Sean Robertson from Guayla Beer. If you like the Hot Forward podcast, then follow us on all the socials at Hot Forward Beers. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify and all of the good podcasting platforms. And visit our website, hotforward.beer, to connect with us and find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business with branding, creative media, and business consultancy for breweries, bars, bottle shops, and supply chain businesses. And finally, don't forget to thank our sponsors this week. Support for this episode comes from Lalaman Brewing. For more information about Lalaman products in the UK, please contact our local representative, Andrew Patson. Global contact details for the UK and other territories can be found via our website, lalamanbrewing.com. For now, grab a beer and let's crack open today's discussion. My guests on the show today are John Haddingham from Vocation and Sean Robertson from Guaylo BK. Hello. Hi, Mick. Good evening, Nick. How's it going? Uh, very good, thanks. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we're all uh, sort of uh, buoyed by the thought of uh, gradual reactivation. And um, uh, that's why we love this industry, because we're all in it together genuinely. Gra- gradual reactivation. That sounds like it should, should be, that's a good beer name. Someone's, <laughs> I can guarantee someone's going to listen to this and be like, I'm having that as a beer name. <laughs> did, yeah, did, our I, second. It's um, great to have a light at the end of the tunnel. It's been a a very long journey for us all, in, in particular for hospitality. And uh, yeah, I was looking forward to you know, we all, all work together to, to hopefully for better times. Cool. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that and how uh, the pandemic's uh, affected the brewery. Um, but w- why don't we start with a round of introductions before we crack open some beers? So we'll start with you, John. Like, who are you? What's your background, your experience in the industry, and, and what's your role now with Vocation? Hmm, yeah, thanks. Uh, so, John Hanningham, I'm currently the sales director at Vocation Brewery. Uh, I'm one of the newbies, so uh, I've been here uh, coming up for a year. Um, previous to that, I was managing director at uh, St. Peter's Brewery. Um, prior to that, I was a consultant, actually, but uh, my main client was Lion, Little Creatures. Oh, right, okay. So, I had the Little Creatures brand and was working with the guys, um, which ultimately led to the acquisition here in the UK. Uh, prior to that, I was head of sales at Aspel Cider for 10 years. Oh, wow. A cider background. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky to have it. it fantastic 10 years. Yeah. So, so just out, out of interest, how was selling cider different to beer or was it very similar? Or... Uh, very similar, actually. That often strikes me how similar, how similar there are. Um, and I've been blessed to work with some, some real premium brands and therefore the you know, the story behind them is so important. So actually, you know, apart from ones being made with, with malt and uh, and hops and what have you, um, you know, and cider being made of apples, that's that's about the, the most stark differences. Um, you know, you're still still serving different channels of the trade and still representing brands on their own merits. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 great to have experience of both, but they are, in my opinion, very very similar. All right, cool. And so you're now at vocation. The you say the sales director. Director, so yeah. what, what does that involve then? Uh, yeah, good question. Uh, well, I'm basically I'm responsible for all sales uh, for the business. 
so right across all channels, we have four main channels, uh, export, e-commerce, off-trade and on-trade. Um, you know, the teams develop them beneath beef each, each of those channels. Uh, so it's also for the teams as well and delivery of uh, delivery sales and, and multitude of other things actually. So I get involved with all sorts of things. Uh, it's been a little bit tricky recently not been able to, to visit the brewery as much as, as I'd like, but mm. um, no, I get involved in all sorts of things. We're quite a small team actually. Um, we all support each other. Um, you know, we work very, very closely together and that's uh, it's like a nice, nice, neat little family yeah. up on the hills of the Pennines. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a great environment and a very supportive environment. So, you know, I consider myself incredibly fortunate to work with such a great team uh, and to be, you know, to be part of a fantastic brand. Fantastic. Cool. And a, a similar question to you, Sean. I mean, obviously, I, I, I know you quite well, but um, for the benefit of the tape, who are you? What's your background and experience in the beer industry? And um, what you, what are you up to these days? Yeah, so um, Sean Robertson uh, joined hospitality as a youngster, came through the ranks of barman, um, <clears throat> came back to manage a wine bar in southwest London. Um, that got, I fell in love with the industry from the off, um, being a uh, host uh, and a GM at quite a young age, and then uh, moved through that to ops jobs with some of the multiples, uh, lived and worked in uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Italy, microbrewery startup near Luca, um, which was... Uh, the microbrewery Bruton um, at a time in Spain. Um, so lucky to have traveled a lot um, in the hospitality trade. And then I, uh, post the Italian experience, um, wanted to understand distribution and mechanics. I worked for a couple of distributors and then I've been brand building for about six to seven years. Um, latterly, um, like if I could echo John on that one, some, you know, some great brands, some great challenges um and often bringing uh, beers into the uk um which is a bit of a specialization so um and people of my acquaintance say not again sean you know <laughs> why aren't you, why, why aren't you uh, what's wrong with the uk breweries you know and all the rest of it and there's, there's nothing wrong with the uk breweries that's the whole point i guess is the challenge of of uh, trying to um develop an international brand and embed it with respect in the uk market is uh, part of my um what stimulates me and part of the challenge i guess um but actually why don't i go and work for a uk brewery <laughs> <laughs> let's explore that one so um yeah and and then i find myself um with guado um uh guado were became aware of me because of my time with pirate life um which i was had built into the uk and european channels um it got sold to inbev in late 2017 um and as a consequence of that a bit like john um in the covid environment all of the uh, meetings with guado were done on zoom um we got on tremendously well we felt that we understood what we'd like to do and uh, and started it and, and that started uh, in July, um, and then like any brand build, we've been putting in place the platforms and the, the contacts, and hopefully, you know, the uh, navigating the channels going forward as best we can. Um, we realise we're operating in a very different commercial environment um, right now and post-COVID, obviously. So, um, very grateful, like John, to have a, a good surround sound of a team that are very talented in their respective roles. Um, 
very briefly, you know, got a, um, a, a graffiti artist of note in Hong Kong doing the artwork and design threads. One of the co-founders, Joe, is also a designer by background. Uh, Ian, the other co-founder, is very uh, driven um, with the contract brewing and market model that we're going to talk about a bit later on. Um, and, you know, they're a team that I can learn a lot from as, as much as contribute my own, my own uh, hopefully, expertise and what I do robustly, which again, not to echo John all the time, but is in parallel with him. I see myself as a commercial brand builder. And, um, you know, that's, that's where we're at currently, um, in, in a very difficult, you know, market. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the other fellow I, I hasten to add to that, um, all those comments is a chap called Charlie Johnson. And it's the first time I've been able to work with a a master brewer he won't like me calling him that but uh, in my eyes he is and he runs a project called the Roman fermentation project in california and he's he has oversight on all of our recipes and in a in a non-covid environment he would have already been working alongside matt at vocation and uh, we did some limited batches from fear so any collaborative brews that we do or brewers that we work with um charlie normally comes over and spends time with them um uh, making sure that he, you know, is getting the re recipes absolutely right mm. and everybody's happy. But he's one of these fellas that's quite, you know, I'm, I'm slightly in awe of that type of brewer because um, he's very, very, very um, adaptive yep. um, and uh, can fit into most environments. Cool. Well, until now, we've mostly had kind of one guest on at a time on the podcast, but today's a bit more of a roundtable discussion to chat about, you know, the brand, the contract brewing side of it, distribution, the vocation Guaylo partnership, where the industry's heading, all, all that jazz. But um, be before we get stuck into that, I, th I think we need to crack open a beer. Well, apart from you, John, you, you, you're way ahead of the curve. <laughs> what? So I, I'm interested, um, before I crack one open, what, what you, and, and Sean, you as well. Like, I'm obviously late to the party. What, 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 you, guys what are you guys drinking? What are you guys drinking? What are you guys drinking? I'm actually trying one for the first time. Um, it's one of our specials. It's a, a Pomona Island collab. It's double snowball. 11.4% dessert stank, oh. um, and chocolate. And as so many people are really tired, it is absolutely divine. It I sounds it. That's a great starter, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only because I've been privileged enough to uh, try that one as well. And uh, yeah, I'm on a rather more, um, how can I put it? It's uh, our newly launched core range, which launched to uh, weeks ago. We've got our tropical lager, our pale and lime currently, and have just started with our session IPA, um, which is. Great, um, a great starting. You know, I'm going to be biased, but there's a lot of yeah, packing session IPAs out there, obviously. But this one's um, probably a lot, little lighter than those I'm used to. If I was to make a any kind of comment or general comment, but uh, yeah, lovely. see bit of pine, bit of may melon in there. Well, given that I haven't cracked a beer open yet, let alone an imperial stout, I think I'll uh, I think I'll crack this one open. So, man, um, top man. So I've I've actually held off this one. Um, I've had the tropical lager, and I think I've tasted the yellow one as well. Um, but I've held off as much as I could till now, <laughs> just to to sort of talk about it live, uh, so to speak. Well, certainly like it. So, yeah, indeed. Well. 
well, that is nice. I can see what you're saying about the melon. And um, slight, mm. slight grapefruit, but not like, not aggressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very sessionable. It's kind of got like a, um, I noticed this with the um, the tropical lager, actually. It's got quite an, a, a nice bready, breadiness mm. to it, like mm. a really bready body. I was going to ask, actually, I mean, I think you might have touched upon this when we were talking, you were talking about the, the um, Master Brewer recently, but um, I, I presume that these recipes for um, the, the Pale Ale, the Session IPA and the Tropical Lager, the, these are like, if I went to Hong Kong and tried these beers, these would be the, the same beers I'm drinking, right? Um, put with tweaked, tweaked is the honest truth, um, tweaked for market, um, both in terms of branding and sometimes recipes. Um, this session... Um, would have been tweaked the pale would be the same um the tropical lager the tropical pilsner in hong kong and again that's interesting isn't it from a brandy perspective how you change your name slightly for mm. purposes of market um but um yeah um don't you know uh, it, generally speaking you're you're correct um and the recipe is going to be the same yeah um but uh you know because of sort of slight differences in kit that's why we take our time in the conversations that Charlie um, would have had with Matt prior to, and that actually John and I were privy to, as to, you know, not all of them, obviously, but, you know, just making sure, do you think your, your kit's okay to do this? And, you know, how, uh, you know, how might it be different in terms of consistency? Because yeah, from a global not. brand perspective, obviously you do want the same profile, but um, like I said, in the case of the session, it's just slightly different. Mm. There is one core ingredient though that is different, and that's the water. Ah, I thought for a moment I thought you can say Henderson's relish. That, that, that's a that's a very UK joke. If, if, if you're listening elsewhere in the world, you're like, what are you talking about? But um, yeah, yeah, yes, the water. Yeah. So do you, I mean, talk about your water though. Do you, do you have um, like a, a natural spring or something, or borehole or anything? Or there's a reservoir, reservoir nearby actually to the brewery up on the Pennines where where most of the water comes from. Right. Okay. That's built through the through the limestone and the granite and what have you in the area. So it's um, it's a uh, excellent water for brewing. And funny enough, in the Asian market, um, you know, British beer is held in very high esteem mm. because of the water. You know, they, they perceive that as a as a much higher quality. Right. In fact, you know, some of the guido we've been brewing uh, recently is actually shipping its way to China. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of gone like full circle. <laughs> Yeah, well, the brewers have worked very hard to, you know, to replicate and deliver the recipes and profiles that, that Guido uh, wished for. And yeah. uh, the end result you know, has come, come out incredibly well. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about how, how this all works. Because, I mean, I'm super fascinated and curious how... Um, because I'm, obviously I'm familiar with vocation. I'll, I'll openly confess I've, I've only really had, like, some of the core range. Like, I've got a can of life and death, which I, I'll, I'd like to try. Um, on the show it's a monday night but it's it's one of my favorite ipas actually so crack that we'll crack that open you know and um what's it bread is it bread and butter that's that's bread like a sort of, yeah that's a good beer as well and um lo and behold uh lo and behold's on the cask line so we haven't done that for a while okay i saw the name because i was like with with my brand emmanuel i was i was looking for like a, a, a low abv beer name and i was like i couldn't think of one and then i saw lo and behold I was like why didn't i think of that first <laughs> missed opportunity but um yeah, but like, how how does that dynamic work between um, vocation, which is existing brewery, um, yeah. that's obviously got a, a good reputation here in the UK and and beyond, and then Guaylo, which is in Hong Kong, has got a good reputation over there, and it's like, I mean, it 
it, it seems like more of a partnership rather than just a kind of, uh, you know, um, brutal order kind of contracts kind of relationship. So like, and, and, I, and I think, I know I for one have researched this quite a lot with Emmanuel's and how I get that product to market um, on, a, on a wider scale. But like, I would imagine there are a lot of listeners out there thinking, well, how can we, you know, in this day and age where there's access to funds, there's access to tap lines and all this of it, how can we maybe partner with other breweries? So like, just talk through how that came about, um, you know, East meets West, so to speak. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, it was really interesting, actually. So it started off with, a, uh, I guess, more of a mutual admiration. So uh, the first time I came across Guido, it was uh, one of their founders, Ian, actually sent an email in. Um, Initially came via uh, a chap at Brew York, as I recall. Anyway, um, he wanted to contact someone at, uh, at a vocation. The email came my way, and their conversation started. Uh, Guido have a have a great great reach, particularly in Hong Kong, um, and you know it was an attractive market for us. So, in terms of what they wanted to create and what we were looking to do, then there was a, a real meeting of minds and uh, mutual admiration in terms of, of brands. And also, some, right from the start, actually, some really clear synergies. So in terms of our collaboration, that's way beyond just a, a brewing partnership or having a you know, guest uh, or another um, brewer's name on a can. Mm. It's a collaboration in the true sense. And you know, it's, it's taken many, many forms. And we've become, despite not being able to meet in person as yet, <laughs> now we, we, we quickly became very, very aligned as individuals and as businesses in terms of, of what the benefits may be uh, with this collaboration. So initially it started off that, um, you know, we, we started, we, we did a um, collaboration brew actually called East and West Hail, which is 5.7. That was to celebrate our, our union, want of a better word. Uh, we put that across into our e-commerce, out into the indies that we support at the moment and also into export. Uh, it was the first signal of, of where this collaboration was going to go it still is a very very good seller for us um, unique branding as well so we're able to bring through the unique attributes of the hong kong brand onto a uk beer um, and that, that's worked incredibly well so that's the first step the next thing is we start to explore other mutual gains so we quickly uh, struck up a, a deal where we would supply vocation into hong kong and uh, the guys at guaylo have been were incredible actually at gain and distance for vocation in Hong Kong. It's become a, you know, a very big market for us very, very quickly with their support. We're now reciprocating that here in the UK and beyond. So we're, you know, we're proud to brew their beer for them um, and we're proud to work alongside them. So we are in essence supporting their distribution, not just in the UK, but also across into our, our main export markets now. Mm. So that, that gives you a sense of the collaboration. It's, it's very far reaching. It's certainly joined up and, and mutually beneficial okay um, i had a lot of fun doing it as well to be honest it's um it's always a pleasure to talk to them uh, we're certainly very very aligned and we've got a very bright picture together yep so when mm. vocation um gets exported to the east like does is it a similar arrangement where it's brewed at guaylo in, in hong kong or is it is it always no. is it literally like the beer is like going in that direction no, 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 we, uh, we, we brew all up here. No one else brews vocation. Um, right. And that's perhaps one of the um, differences between the two businesses. And Guaylo have a, have a model where they want to brew around different parts of the world and they want to achieve the freshest beer possible to market with brew partners. And, and that makes a lot of sense, to be honest. And that may be something that we'll explore in the far flung corners of the world one day. 
Now, there are challenges, obviously, shipping hot food beer across the equator and so on. Um, but nonetheless, that's that's one of the differences between businesses. So all the all the vocation sales around the world are brewed and packed at vocation. Right. Um, whereas obviously Guido, we are actually brewing and packing in New Yorkshire. Fantastic, bro. Yeah, and and so sorry, Nick, but sort of jumping in, but just that uh, hearing John's enthusiasm there, you know that yeah, the fact that John and I knew each other as well um, it was obviously helpful and. Um, you know, we we just uh, accelerated quite quickly, really, um, in terms of the discussions um, of how we could help each other. Therefore, um, with this contract brewing market, you know, UK as a hub. Um, but um, John knows export very well, and clearly, this is a good base for Scandinavia and uh, Europe, despite the uh, yeah Brexit and all the rest of it. The fact of the matter is, there's some cracking relationships that both breweries have with certain parties. And, uh, you know, that, that looks very, very exciting for the next two years, you know, just to explore all of those potential collaborations. Yeah. So that's, that's the point just there. That's, that's a very interesting dynamic as well, given, you know, we've talked about the, you know, the reach of the collaboration, but um, now we've also got to think about the USPs that providing to market. You know, so, so for us, for example, you know, um, premium and accessible craft has, has grown at a rate in Asia. So it's a clear opportunity for us and and the reach of vocation is 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 growing rapidly in foreign markets as well. So you know Quilo was a, a key element of that. Then here in the UK, um, you know, as Sean's already mentioned actually, you know, bring bring the brand into the UK as as with Quilo has got a clear point of difference. They've got such pedigree and been very aligned um, with our own philosophies in terms of quality and consistency. It you know, makes it a real, real value add into the market. So it's not just a what I'd call a me too. Mm. There is a, a genuine reason for it. And the other thing for us is that being a, an Asian brand, you know, it will reach parts of the market that we probably wouldn't reach with our own. Right. All the two can work very much in harmony together without without conflict. Okay. And also, um, if I can add to that, and it's almost like picking up the baton, <laughs> but uh, it's um, you know clear that you know vocation are making some cracking beers and you know they have every intent to you know, transfer that um into the entree and uh you know that that's what's really exciting you know not not, not just where we are sometimes we'll parallel in sometimes it won't be appropriate to go into the same channels clearly but um you know for me like you say it's two brewers of pedigree um helping each other in the entree and that's that's how partnerships should work. Yeah. Do you think that there'll be more of these kind of collaborations in the future um, in, in the beer industry? Definitely. I mean, I, you know, if you actually look at the UK market, my view is that, you know, we don't really have the only other very clear example is Yeasty Boys, probably, who I always consistently uh, mention. But, you know, um, they've done a great job. Yeah. Um, but we'd, I'd, I'd like to sort of transfer the philosophy of Guado's to have a craft collective, um, you know, and, and if that is global in about five years time, that'd be tremendous to think that you're working with your best mates, um, so to speak, uh, you know, across the globe, country to country. And the whole basic underscore also contract bringing market is it's fresh. It's fresh to the consumer as fresh as you can get it. Mm. And we all know that that's so, so important in beer. Yeah. Yeah, I think one one thing to answer that question as well is that um, yes, I'm sure there will be more, and of course there are some very um, well publicised exp- 
examples of this in the market already um, that have happened previously. But I think to take a collaboration to the levels that, that we are, that's a bit like a marriage. <laughs> you, you have to get on and, and perhaps sometimes having some opposites as well to help the attraction helps and have some points of difference. Uh, so you can trade off one another certainly helps, but ultimately, you know, the, the, the trade thrives on relationships and, and this is no different. I think if, unless you've got that clear understanding as individuals and that mutual um, objectives, then it would be very difficult to make something like this work. Yeah. And it's just a, a pure business case or business model probably might be limited, but to have um, individuals joined up right across the business all going in the same direction and enjoying each other's company and uh, sharing ideas so freely that that's what makes this very special yeah i mean i always liken beer and music to one another and, and being in a band and being a bunch of musicians is a lot like a marriage and um, if you get that dynamic wrong it, it doesn't work and you know I've, i mean i've i've been saying for for years like it's if you if you partner with another brewery you've you've it's it's all about that relationship rather than mm. just pay, paying someone to brew something for you and sticking a label on and putting it out because it's like it's it's so you know it, it, it's it's so hard to really master good beer and um you know when it goes sour no pun intended um <laughs> unless you brew a sour beer um but if, if if it goes sour you know literally on on a physical level if the bit if the product goes wrong you know and then all of a sudden people start pointing the finger well you know um you brewed it wrong oh well there's no contracts and all the rest of it it can it can go, it can very very badly um mm -hmm. whereas these these things are when they're forged out of good relationships mm -hmm. um you, you really get a a recipe for something great um b before we we move on i mean i want to talk a little bit more about uh vocation um out of curiosity because again it's it's a brand i've seen for for years i mean i actually remember seeing um the artwork when on the can i'll hold up life in death at the minute i think it used to be there used to be more didn't there like those little white yeah, doodles less, slightly yeah um but i remember i remember seeing it with the eye on a a board outside a pub at stanford and being like wow what's that that looks cool and this was like this this is back in um 2015 maybe 2016 yeah, been um, the first year. Yeah, and and I remember, and I remember it really catching my eye because I'd just started um, brewing myself around that point. Well, it'd been about a year, and um, so I was I was really sort of tuned into you know noticing stuff like that. And I remember being like, "Wow, this looks different." Mm. Um, now, I, I've I've never actually been up to vocation at Ebden Bridge, but um, the photos I see of it always tends to be from like your fermentation tanks are outside, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And they overlook all the the moors and stuff. Like just so just out of interest, how how big is the brewery, and comparatively to other UK breweries, like how mm. how big is it, and how was vocation? grown uh, so large so quickly and you can answer that while i pour this out <laughs> so uh, <laughs> taking a leaf out of your book john and go for the the, the bigger hitters um yeah sure uh, yeah that's a really quite interesting story and perhaps people might be a little bit shocked to learn that um given our, our sort of big reach across the uk we're actually only just over five years old um uh, this hasn't been going along at all we were founded by by john hickley um still still, still owner of the business um still on the same site so he created the brewery site just over five years ago um, and converted chicken shed at the time and a bit we've expanded considerably we're still on the same site we're at Cragvale, which is uh, on top of the one of the pennine hills overlooking hebden bridge so a famed real famed creative area of, of the north 
Um, we do enjoy fantastic views over the Crag Vale. It's a, a wonderful place to be. Mm. And as you say, many of the tanks are outside. There's there's a lot of them now. Um, so given our given our growth uh, recently, we've you know we've installed 23 new tanks. There's, wow. there's coming. Um, we've uh, put in a new bot- a new canning line, and we're now actually putting in our bottling line, very first bottling line. Um, so more growth to come. Um, but yeah, I mean John's set out a stall of, of creating real hop, hop forward um, trend setting beers and want to be a little bit different in the market. And yeah, that 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 philosophy is still our mainstay. We now want to put as much good beer as we can in, into good hands, and uh, that's fueling fueling our growth. Um, in terms of size, well, um, you know we we enjoyed good growth growth last year. We've got more to come this year, but. We, we produced just over 35,000 hectolitres last year. Um, so we're, we're getting to a decent size. And you know, many people I know us for our presence in the off-trade. You know, we, we, we're well established in lots of Tesco, Asda and Morrison, um, which is great. The, the core range of love and hate and life and death that you mentioned are the backbone of the business. Um, now, we want to be as accessible as possible, but they also enable us to be really creative uh, with our specials and what have you. So we're able to support all the indies and other channels um, in the UK with our creativity. And uh, that's an essential part of building our growth and uh, awareness of brand vocation. Awesome. So just taking the the Guaylo vocation um, collaboration um, into consideration, that, that... (laughs) <laughs> that, that that rhymed that was beautiful that's like poetry yeah, very good very um, good um you know like when you're working so you, you did a, a a series of four beers with fierce beer and i have to say those beers were absolutely cracking um the actually the, the one that really sort of um knocked me sideways was that white stout because i was having a bit of a zoom beer sesh um with my mate mar who took over my role at sheffield brewery when i left and um i was like i oh, really fancy a stout you know I'd, I'd had a good few in, including like um it was like a vestimel or something um you know so i, I stumbled down to my cellar gra- grabbed it came back up started pouring it i was like that's not black that's that's like pale <laughs> what's going on and then i taste it i was like oh it's a white stout um so th- those beers are cracking beers but like how does that kind of work in terms of like um, collaborating with another brewery when there's like a dynamic of vocation Guelo and another brewery? Like it's, I, I don't know if I'm just getting the wrong end of the stick. How, how does that kind of work having another brewery thrown into the mix with that? Can I answer that honestly, Sean? Yeah, go on. <laughs> the fact was that, um, you know, with the timings of when the partnership started, we were we were at peak capacity at the time with right. uh, demands from from the off trade and also the the actual booming online sales that we're enjoying and, and still do. And there's a limit to how much beer we can produce. And you know, when the guys are saying we, we want these series of specials, we we didn't actually have the capacity to do them. Um, but we were delighted for for the team to you know, to go and be a brew with this. That's a brewery we, we greatly respect, and you know, they're producing the pudding and some great beers and. And you may have noticed we've actually um, we've been selling them through our website as well. So you know, we're very very proud to have those beers with us. Happy days. Oh. And the fact of the matter is that you couldn't, you know, let's face it, you know, with all the um, innovation and uh, pivoting that the whole country has to do, um, brewery operations, tap rooms, you know, various legislation, um, you know, 
we still have to remember that we're a new entrant. And um, one of my frustrations historically in professional life has been that um, international brands do tend to think they can walk into markets and the UK in particular. And it's like, this is fantastic, you know, competitive, um, superb uh, country to want to be in the mix with the rest of the brewers, but have some respect, you know, be humble about the time it takes to get recognised um, and therefore all the more reason to join up with a brewery like Vocation because, um, you know, certainly if we'd been more standalone or had a partnership with a, a different smaller brewery and or tried to do it ourselves, mm. it would have been brutal, frankly, yeah. in the current environment. So just on that, Sean, like how much more room do you feel that there is then for craft brands in the UK and Europe? Um, but both both ones that are being imported from elsewhere in the world and just in general, because it's, you know, e- even now with my business consultancy head on, I get people approaching me saying, oh, we're going to start a brewery and all the rest of it, um, which is which is amazing because all things considered, particularly with COVID and the pandemic and so on, that people are thinking that. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's a whole bunch of brewers out there listening to this now being like, don't do it. Um, but, you know, um, I was listening to a beer o'clock show with uh, Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada, you know, and um, when he started and it's not as if he started Sierra Nevada with favorable conditions, you know, yeah. and yet, you know, um, what is it? 40 years later, however long it's been, um, you know, lo and behold, he, he, Sierra Nevada are the only brewery out of the, um, I think it was five or six that started up around the same time. That's still in existence and, and look at them, you know, so it only takes, one person or one team with a set of aspirations to you know and something unique to to go the distance but um obviously there are some that fall by the wayside so like how much room is there for for growth um limited um is the immediate answer um yes in our instance and i have to go back to that i'm i have uh, obviously clear belief in ourselves because of the pan-asian opportunity and and various underscores of that and you know ways in which we can appeal uh the innovation that we bring to market and all the rest of it but that is in tandem with the pan-asian um background whereas if you're just uh there i say a more standard uh brewery offering a range of brews um from anywhere in the world i think it's really as tough as it's ever been right now right um and so you know you've got to have a very 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 good team on board um that is adding value um to the uk consumer who now let's face it is going to be buying across a range of channels and even the on trade um you know we think about beer subscription boxes we think about you know i I always use an example um when i went to a, a fuller site um a couple of years ago and on the night they had a new zealand beer collective evening and the gm had bought the beers on the night for that night um, off a particular digital platform. You know, this this is how both the on-trade um, is, is buying beer and what's going to happen to distributors, therefore. You know, I think you've got to have a mindset of, you know, we need to be able to be agile enough in our own team to, uh, to, to get the logistics um, appropriate to each channel make ourselves as accessible as possible in terms of how good people can purchase us, but also why would they purchase us above anybody else, you know, and Mm -hmm. therefore, you know, I extend that, you know, hopefully not too rambling 
view that you know you've got to of course engage with you've got now artificial intelligence um subscription platforms coming through you've got um obviously the delivery and food apps that we all know about the um uber eats and all the rest of it so yeah you got to put down your markers understand where you're going and then genuinely feel that you're adding value in those channels if you can't answer all those questions i would suggest you shouldn't enter the market right now mm. a question to both of you then um you know with years of sales experience and, and, and marketing experience um like what what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that brewers and, and drinks manufacturers make when it comes to trying to sell beers to to people and to you know, both to you know direct to consumer and business to business they, they, they try to force the market and um you should always remember and be humble about the fact that the consumer is going to drive the market um by their um spending habits their you know they, they like to be engaged they like to be um informed they like to feel that they're genuinely connected to the to the brewery um and and obviously we know that happens to a certain extent through social media but i don't think you can do enough of that sort of thing in terms of educating people um working with your you know fellow brewers clearly and and just just um whether it be a region or a locality just gradually making people understand who you are you know um and and that takes that takes a couple of years in my opinion mm. you know um and and too many breweries actually just as i say i know i'm repeating my point but they do feel that they can just land and then be you know um bought <laughs> so to speak and it's just like well why you know don't, nobody knows you yet yeah you know, they certainly don't know enough about your beers they certainly don't know enough about in our instance you know the cultural nuances the uh the food um culture of asia um hong kong specifically the list goes on so it's absolutely a job to to do that mm. um, yeah john what about you yeah, i think that's a, a so i've been thinking about it listening to sean i think that's a really hard question to answer to be honest um now I've, I've been lucky i've worked with some some great brands um and i've not been inside a, a brand or business that perhaps has found it difficult makes that question quite hard to to answer um but perhaps flipping it around a little bit and looking at recommendations you know one, one thing is to, is to know your market and know your consumer uh, i remember going to one particular um show and a very passionate producer uh, I, I won't name them um was was stood up and was very vocal in fact quite quite damning of the industry he was trying to to work in because no one would buy his product uh, but but what, what he was delivering was and producing was a product that he liked to enjoy that his taste and he couldn't understand why anyone else didn't like them you know and and i've seen that mistake made a few times but um it's a very hard question to answer. I mean, knowing your market and understanding the scale you want to get to and, and being realistic uh, is, is you know, obviously key things. Uh, not to set the sights too high, perhaps, and to, uh, not in, you know, to, to having growth come ergonomically, perhaps, as you, as you make gains. Depend on what you want to achieve. But, yeah, I, I personally find that quite a very hard question to answer and not having experienced it directly myself. Um, it's a challenging market, you know, and... Um, COVID, COVID certainly hasn't helped, and it's certainly a very competitive market. I think perhaps the UK is you know, one of the most challenging markets uh, in the world, and they certainly don't come across 
the, the challenges of the UK and other markets around the world. Mm. There are its own challenges that some be around the world, but nonetheless, you know, the UK is particularly challenging. But I think there is room for everybody. You know, there's there's opportunities for everyone. Um, the growth of the brewery industry in this, in this country has proved that. It's just understanding where you want to be, where you fit, and and the, perhaps the type of consumers that you want to appeal to, and, and how you're going to reach out to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you, you touched upon um, COVID there, and you know you can't really get around it at the moment. Um, I mean, how how has COVID affected plans for both vocation and Guayalone? How, how do you, how and where do you see it progressing from here? Well, the the obvious one is the impact of the hospitality industry. Mm. Um, you know, you can't you can't avoid that. Of course, it's the most emotive subject perhaps in the UK right now for for, for millions of people. Uh, and thank God, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully, um, but no, I mean there are channels obviously that have benefited from the impact of COVID. Unfortunately, if we can put it at that, now, the off trade obviously um, has benefited, and, and yep. online opportunities. So the online sales have, have gone to staggering heights. Um, and, and they continue to grow. You know, February sales for many online operators, in, including ourselves as a brewery, are actually bigger than than, than December. Um, and that's a staggering feat, really, for, for January and February sales to be so high at a time of year and typically be so low. And that's amazing the impact that COVID has had on the industry. Yeah. Um, so there are positives. Yeah. The other impact is the export market. So that was a, a market that was in considerable growth for us. And they didn't slow down much, but of course, hospitality businesses were closed around the world, not just here in the UK. So again, the, the, the gains that we saw here with online operations, for example, we felt those around the world. Mm. And so it's the demand on small pack became the priority and, and the, the win and formula, really, to be able to dispatch cans you know, across so many different operators in different countries to meet the online demand and the, you know, the independent retailer and off-trade demand around the world has been a, a huge huge boost yeah. for us. well i think it's um you know you, you've got to look at the positives and and I, I do hear a lot of brewers just sort of complaining about pubs being closed and all the rest of it but um you know i i think one of the positives is e-commerce whereas when i when i came into the brewing industry and because i didn't come from a brewing background um you know my, my business mentor was saying to me you need to retain your margins like sell it online you know, and, and sell it direct to the consumer. And then I, you know, picked up as I started doing that um, from, I guess, from bottle shops that it was, there was a bit of etiquette involved and kind of like, oh no, you don't do that. Don't get me wrong, hear me. I love bottle shops. I think they really play a massively important part. And I think it's really good to support bottle shops and independent oh, businesses definitely. like that. But, you know, it's I do think there's a place for e-commerce mm. and f- for breweries. And, and it's, you know, I, I know a few breweries where they've produced less beer. They've sold less overall volume, but they've made more money because they've largely sold it direct to consumer. Yeah, and yeah. it's afforded people opportunities to maybe discover some new new breweries they wouldn't have, and so that maybe the next time they're in a bottle shop and they see that brand, they'll be like, "Oh, I'll have one of them. I've not had that from that brewery, but I know I like that brewery now." Mm. No, you're, you're you're so right with that. You know, there are opportunities with with every challenging environment that that comes to us, and um, you know, we we have overtly changed some of the things that we do as a result of the pandemic. We've had to. So the increased um, production of specials, for example, for us has, has really supported our online platform. But it's had a, a real positive impact as well for our, for our indies and bottle shops as well. You know, providing them a point of difference against the, the off-trade world has, has been essential for them and us. Mm. Uh, it's become an integral part of where we're, how we're building 
brand location as well. We have so many people looking to buy online. That provides a ready platform to try new things and experiment and do half brews and specials and push it out through the online world. Uh, and that's worked really, really well. Fantastic. I guess just to round up then, where do you both see the beer industry heading as a, as a whole across the world? Hmm. Nice small uh, question just to end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's, um, it is going to hopefully um, return to a community. Um, and if we think about the history of breweries, you know, they were originally yeah, so important in a town, weren't they? You know, um, and... You know, I think of Adnam, Sir John, you know, where you spent some time. And I think of locations like that where the brewery is at the absolute epicentre. And so I think we're going to see a re- return, hopefully, to, you know, breweries having that um, embrace of all local businesses. And just, uh, you know, in the next couple of years, I think from a confidence perspective, you talked about bottle shops. I think we're going to see far more of that, dare I say, a European style of um, what they said would happen in the UK, but didn't when the 24-hour drinking uh, legislation first came in, which is that more outdoor drinking, more outdoor covered areas, more extensions of bottle shops, deli, cafe-type environments. Um, And I used to run pubs, so, you know, if that takes away from uh, some of the core volume of visitors to the traditional pub, then that might be how it evens out. Um, I, I just see it happening that way because of the confidence level people will have in that, in that kind of open environment. And that's just a very general statement. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think the traditional pub, uh, whereas a lot of vertical drinking, um, it's going to take a while to come back. Yeah. And um, what about you, John? What's your, uh, looking into your crystal ball? I think first thing is we'll look look back over the last few months and think about what changes have, have come through. You know, people's drinking habits have, have changed considerably. Uh, you know, we see a, a return to drinking high beers, for example. And that's obviously a direct impact from the pandemic. And a lot of people work from home and not, not having to drive. And um, you know, craft has grown exponentially in recent months, more than it ever has before. You know, the, the ability to, to sample new beers and try new things through the online purchase, for example, has really opened up the exploration into the beer world. And I think that'd be interesting to see how that may change as the on-trade comes, comes back. You know, will we see high-strength ADV beers on the bar, for example? Um, or will we see things plateau out again? Uh, and longer term, I think that we'll all be rejoicing in the joy of beer, to be honest, that you know, given we've been deprived of the hospitality world for so long, Let's hope we have a good summer and set things up for a very positive return for the on trade and, and rock rates um, to, you know, to recoup some, some losses. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I see it being very, very positive for the future. I really yeah. do. Yes, I'm only so I'm probably a little bit. Um, no, I, I certainly see it positively <laughs> and uh, couldn't be more enthusiastic, frankly, about you know the, the thought of all aspects of hospitality coming back and events where they can. And, you know, I'm a big lover of live music, as you know, Nick, and yeah, just uh, anything uh, like that, which sees people, you know, um, just such a natural human activity, isn't it? Mm. To uh, to be together again. <laughs> we've, got, we've got some extremes as well, haven't we? We've got the growth of, of low and low, um, particularly fueled by the younger generation. So that's clearly going to be a trend we'll see into the on-trade, I guess, when we, as things develop. But also we've got... Um, 
and it, people in, in drinking harsh drank beers as well. So that would be very, very interesting to see how the, the beer trends um, pan out as the entree beer opens, I think. But mm. yeah, let's face it, we're, we're all incredibly excited that the entree is going to return, a bit staggered. But let's hope we're all able to, to keep the government's guidelines and deadlines that have set out and um, look forward to June 21st. Yeah. And, and also, I, I applaud, you know, as we've all been doing and observing what certain operators have been doing and having the time to do and refine their businesses and make them ready for this new trading environment. And uh, I applaud them all. You know, there's some really exciting concepts out there, um, which frankly are just just the thought of actually visiting some of them is 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 what gets me going. It's just like these these look fantastic, you know, the designs, the environments, the um the range of choice of drinks, you know, not just obviously beer and you know, it's just splendid, isn't it, really? And mm. um, yeah, it's giving you know, I think we're gonna be spoiled because the uh the industry wants to welcome everybody back. Yeah. I'm certainly looking forward to cast beer again. <laughs> like I remember, I, I remember after the the, the first lockdown, going to um, the Halvershire House, which is a Thornbridge pub, just yeah. around the corner from my house, and I, I, I said to myself, I'll start with something like low ABV just to ease my way in, and then the the, the guy came to the table and was like, and what would you like? I was like, pirate jaipur. <laughs> just kind of like <laughs> I just blurted it out. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. It was like cabin Tourette's or something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, you know, I had to, I, I had to you know. And then, um, yeah, I, and you know, I think this time round I'll be ordering in steins rather than in pints. Just, <laughs> just give me a stein. <laughs> um, so cool. Well, it's been amazing having you both on the, the, the show uh, today. Um, how, can, how can people find out more about Vocation and Guaylo and buy your beers? Just log on There's everything you need to know, and uh, full range of specials and call there available. Um, some special offers as well, so uh, that's the way to go. Special offers, awesome, brilliant. Yeah, similar for ourselves. You know, um, uh, going back to those elements of what we're doing and when and why. Um, obviously, the social media channels. We think we're hopefully putting lots of information on daily, um, and um, our web shop, uh, obviously for updates and. You know, dual, dual, uh, dual media activity with vocation possibly going forward. Who knows? Mm, yeah, social media is good as well. We're, we're, we're social media. I've been vocation to Facebook and enjoy. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. Well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot Four podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. We make your beer look as good as it tastes and we help you brew up a better business through branding, marketing and consultancy. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers. Cheers.